So now it's been a few weeks since we watched any of these movies, but uh, I had to go back and kind of read my my notes again. But yes, I had the review as well. <laughs> I was thinking, you know, I, I was thinking of Beetlejuice when I think we should talk about what qualifies us to talk about horror movies. And I was thinking about when he introduced himself and starts with, you know, I I studied at Juilliard, and then he get, moves on to saying, and I watched The Exorcist how many times? A thousand yeah, times. And it keeps getting funnier <laughs> right. every single time I see it. So do you want to introduce yourself as far as why you're qualified to talk about horror movies or scary sure, movies? I will. Okay. Yeah, I'll go ahead and start. My name is Marin Massiero. I am a longtime fan of the horror genre. Pretty much ever since I can remember, Halloween has been my favorite holiday, introduced to me early on by my mother, who is also a big fan of the holiday and a big fan of horror, both film and literature. Um, I got started like most kids with, uh, with Disney's uh, Sleepy Hollow. And from there, as, uh, as time went on, I just continued to delve more and more into the genre, and I became a huge fan of the movies. But what really, I don't know if I'd say that it qualifies me, but what my most impressive horror credential is, is that for a brief period of time, my first serious job after college, I was working at the Reno Gazette Journal, which is the daily paper in Reno, Nevada. And while I was there... I was on the movie critic team where I handled the horror movies exclusively because nobody else wanted to. So I got a really good education in various aspects of the genre that way. I haven't, uh, I haven't done anything with horror movies professionally since then, but I'm still a huge fan. And truth be told, I was very intimidated to talk to you because I think your horror shops are much more extensive than mine. And as a matter of fact, I remember the first time ever being truly terrified on Halloween was a great jump scare from you at your house. So when I was about seven years old. So. Well, my experience is only because I'm old. and uh, But yeah, I started very young. I have my mom kept scrapbooks back um, forever. And the oldest scrapbook we have, there's a, it's like a piece of paper folded a few times that shows me, a scribble from me. I guess this was at a church function or somewhere. And there was one scribble on one page and then another scribble on another page. There were three scribbles. And then I'm assuming that somebody asked me what they were. And so the first scribble was mommy and the second scribble was Daddy, and the third scribble was Dracula. So if that gives you any idea how, how early this started, and just like you, um, my mom is the, was the queen of Halloween. She still is. And uh, I inherited my love of scary things from her. I remember her coming in our room, scaring us. I mean, um, she is the one that got me into decorating for... Halloween now to a point that is hazardous to my health because I build this huge haunted house and with terrible construction skills. Um, but as far as horror movies go, my the the defining one for me was Poltergeist, the the original Poltergeist. I remember watching it 
with my uncle when I was, it, it was on VHS, so I don't know when that was, to be honest, but I just remember being so terrified, but so excited at the same time. That kind of was a defining point for me. And I really, everything I do is somewhat centered around dark things, uh, graphic novels, movies, uh, huge Stephen King fan. Um, just, I like horror. And it's not all I like. I feel like I'm a little bit of a renaissance man. I can go to an opera and then come home and watch Evil Dead 2. You know, I don't, but I think I, I bring enough uh, of a variety to the table that, yeah, I could probably talk about some horror movies with you. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, as you were talking, it just occurred to me that both of our mothers influenced our own love of horror, as your mom was my preschool teacher, and that was the first big classroom Halloween celebration that I can recall. <laughs> and uh, my mom has often spoke of speaking, of speaking with you about Stephen King and various other, you know, horror genre novels. So, and she was your teacher. So. Yeah, your mom definitely, I think the reason we're talking today is, is your, the connection is your mom. She was one of my favorite teachers, um, being an English teacher, um, and me, I, I've always been a big reader ever since I was little, and she encouraged me in lots of ways, and I loved her sense of humor and just what she brought, mostly the sense of humor and her understanding of literature. Um, made me excited all the time and it helped me to, I think it sparked my education in Wendover that some, in some cases, Wendover was a pretty hard place to find a love of education. She definitely was defining for me and that's why I'm excited to talk to you. I'm hope I'm, I'm assuming with both of us, the apples probably didn't fall far from the tree, but they probably fell in some pretty unique places, so... I think that's a really good way of putting it. Well, that being said, what I was thinking, and, and I'll edit any of this kind of stuff, but I was thinking maybe if you wouldn't mind taking the lead on Tucker and Dale, and I don't know how you how you thought about doing this, but whatever you were thinking, why don't you do Tucker and Dale, and then I can throw in some comments if if that's cool, and then I can take the lead on the uh, house of the devil afterwards absolutely so i noticed that we both picked movies from around the same time period uh they're both you know like you know late aughts early 2010s and the thing i noticed about both of them is that they both seem to have like a really subversive awareness of you know the genre tropes um obviously it was it was much more prevalent in Tucker and Dale as this was, you know, like um, a horror comedy and the house of the devil was, you know, it was a very, you know, it was straightforward in its presentation of horror atmosphere, mood, things like that. But I, I really liked that, you know, the love of the genre came through very, very plainly in the presentation of both these movies. So, when I when I watched them both, I noticed that that was a similarity, and that's about where it ends. So the first one we're talking about is uh, Tucker and Dale vs. Evil, and this is a movie. Uh, it's from 2010, 
and the the director is Eli Craig, who I'm not super familiar with, but I did really enjoy this particular movie. Um, probably most notable star is Alan Tudyk, who a lot of people will um, know from his work in comedy and maybe from his voice work in Disney. And basic story is um, Tucker and Dale are um, two uh, well-meaning chaps, but they're also... Um, they also fall into the stereotype of a particular kind of person, and uh, the movie refers to them as uh, hillbillies. But they're nice guys, they're basically harmless, and they have just purchased their dream vacation home, which is <laughs> a, rundown, <laughs> a rundown shack on the edge of a lake. And they're super excited about this. One thing and, I wanted to throw in is that when I first watched this movie, I laughed at their dream vacation home. When I when I rewatched it, especially with real estate prices being what they are, and the fact that I've been looking into buying a thought about that too. I mean, I I live in a heavily wooded area that you know has a lot of cabins, and oh yes, there they got theirs at an absolute steal. I would snatch that up immediately. Mm-hmm. So, as it so happens, as they're venturing out to the lake, they happen to be uh, heading out at the same time with a bunch of college kids who already seem to be wary of their surroundings. And um, through pure misunderstanding, they, they deem Tucker and Dale to be dangerous. So we've seen this movie with the hillbillies and the college kids how many times now? I mean, there are so many movies just like this, and that's what they're poking fun at, but... They do it in a way that in the whole movie is just these series of unfortunate events, these comedy of errors that they really pull off in a way that it makes it it's sometimes a little bit awkward, but it, it works, I think. Yeah, I mean, I thought they did an excellent job of walking the line between being overly slapstick and, you know, hewing to their their central gag, if you will, which is the giant misunderstanding by the college kids that Tucker and Dale are dangerous, and Tucker and Dale assuming that the college kids, as they, you know, at first they don't know what's going on, but as the as the kids keep stumbling upon them and meeting their unfortunate, untimely deaths, Tucker and Dale decide that they've they've some created some sort of suicide pact, and now they're scared of the college kids. <laughs> You know, I when I read the background about, um, I guess it, it would be Dale. Is Dale the bigger guy? Yes. Tyler Labine, I think is his name. Mm-hmm. I looked, and he had, he's played a stoner in three different episode, uh, X-Files episodes. Um, two from 1996 and one from 2016. So that's probably a pretty good claim to fame there. I think that's an amazing claim to fame. I would love to put that on my resume. Stoner, three different <laughs> X-Files episodes. You know what? If a job wouldn't hire me based on those credentials, I don't want to work that. <laughs> and then uh, as far as Alan Tudyk goes, I mean, I think he's one of the best character actors around. I mean, I think in uh, A Knight's Tale, I mean, one of the he's one of the the sparks in that movie that just make me laugh all the time. Um, Firefly, if, I don't know if you've been into Firefly at all, but he's he's just a great actor 
And I think, you know, even as the pirate in Dodgeball, he's so memorable and funny that he, he plays even this part. He plays it pretty low key, but he just carries the movie, I think. Yeah, he is a reliably fantastic actor. Uh, the most recent thing I saw him in was um, my. I have a five-year-old daughter, and at, at the moment she's very into uh, Raya and the Last Dragon. And yeah. Alan Tudyk does voice work in that as her um, I saw I that. Know, pet. Yeah, her pet and also mode of transportation, Tuk Tuk. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, he's really delightful. He's just so versatile. And I really enjoyed his performance in this movie. <laughs> The, the scene where he was divested of his bowling fingers, I, I didn't know whether I should laugh or be horrified. Like, I didn't <laughs> so what about the scene where the, they get pulled over by the trooper? That scene, oh. he is so funny in that scene if you watch his face because the trooper uh, misunderstands what the two are doing because I think Dale gets his head stuck somewhere uh, down between his legs, basically. And yep. so the, the trooper comes up, and the, the looks on Alan Tudyk's face are hilarious. I mean, he just tries to be cool, you know? Well, but also his reaction to the first accidental death when the, <laughs> when the kid impales himself yeah. on that broken tree. Oh. <laughs> so, yeah, as you were describing the, the kids, this comedy of errors consider, or continues through most of the movie where they just... These are just two guys trying to, they're not very socially adept, but they're trying to create this little piece of heaven in a, in a cabin for themselves. And they're, they keep run, having these run-ins with these college-age kids, the sexy teens that Jason would definitely kill. Oh, yes. <laughs> I mean, you never know about Jason. He might off all of them in a single scene. I... Well, and I think the main guy isn't his name Chad. He and did they have his name Chad's? Is Chad. Did he have? They have Chad's back in two thousand and eleven. Or was you know, that? Maybe maybe that was about. Maybe that was the origin of Chad. <laughs> I think that Chad was just emerging as you know. Um, I don't know what 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 do you call it? A, a social trope. He did have a popped collar through the whole show. So he did. He did have a popped collar. He might That's have been the the OG Chad. Yeah, and, you know, the popped collar, that's, that's indicative of a special kind of villain. <laughs> so it was only fitting that he ended up being, you know, the the action, the movie's actual villain at the end. Yep. Oh, I'm sorry, spoiler alert. Should have said well, that. Well, I don't think, I think when we choose movies like this, if somebody hasn't seen it yet, they, that's their problem. <laughs> so the other thing that was cool is the trope, the, all the, the tropes of, of these types of slasher movies. I made a list of a couple of them. So we have the van of college kids. The I, Did you notice it t said last gas at the truck stop sign? I thought that was, I've seen that before. Um, they have, the kids are drinking and smoking pot. They're telling scary stories. Of course, they tell a story about a Memorial Day massacre where kids like them were murdered by mountain men at the very spot 20 years ago today. They're skinny dipping the cabin, chainsaw, machete, a girl tied to a sawmill. I don't know if that's a horror trope, but that's at least a, a 20s cartoon yeah. trope. Uh, you or know. at least a, or a Western movie trope. <laughs> Something. Yeah. And they couldn't find the body of the killer. I mean, they kind of checked every box, but oh, they do it. We also have the early introduction of our final girl. That's true. 
That's true. So I felt like the deaths in this movie, you know, I'm a connoisseur of deaths in horror movies. And I would say, so I, I happened to just rewatch Final Destination after watching this movie. And that one of the things that I kind of love and hate about Final Destination is it's like a, like a, what do you, is it a Rube Goldberg invention? There's a chain reaction where somebody spills a drink. It's like the, the butterfly effect. A butterfly flaps his wings on the other side of town and it starts this reaction where balls fall into cups and, and rubber bands snap and then somebody dies in the weirdest, most bizarre way. I felt like they did a pretty good job of that in this movie. They kind of mixed that with, with they mixed these these crazy deaths with like cabin fever fever type deaths of just gore. They did. I mean, particularly, uh, you know, of note was the wood chipper scene <laughs> where uh, the, the guy, I believe his name was Mike, uh, went to attack Tucker and uh, Tucker bent down and he jumped into the wood chipper. Funniest scene of the movie, I think. Like for oh, anybody yeah. and, and, and who Tucker wanted Brennan horror, tries to save him. All of the onlookers think Tucker is feeding him into the so. Whether you like horror or comedy, that's the highlight of the movie. So. Uh, and I'm a huge fan of both. I mean, that's, that's why this movie was such a delight for me because pretty much every death, I laughed and then immediately felt ashamed about it and then kept laughing. Yeah, like. So I don't know if you had heard this, but I read that I didn't. I don't own this movie on DVD. I, I I'm kind of a elitist. I I have got into the, like 4K now, and so going back and buying a DVD, I don't know if I can do that anymore. I'm kind of a snob, but I guess this a special feature on the original DVD. You can play the movie. You can choose a setting to play the movie from the college kids perspective where it just seems like Tucker and Dale are murderous villains. So just cut a different way. It makes it play out as if these guys are really killing all these kids. And I, I haven't seen that, but I think that's how good that that's good. How well that, uh, that this director put this together where you really just by flipping a few things, it could make it look like these, these, uh, yokels are, are, are killing these kids. Uh, I also don't own this movie on DVD, but I would love to see that. <laughs> I guess it would be just like any other slasher, though. It probably would. I wonder how they would show the end. Because, yes, can we just talk about how, you know, the absolute genius stop of Chad's final attack with the chamomile tea? <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> I'm drinking chamomile tea right now. Just, I didn't mean to, but now I'm starting to worry. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, oh, no, that was I great. I don't have an asthma attack. It's fall out a window. <laughs> uh, I, I was thinking, um, let's talk for a second about Allison and Dale's relationship in this movie. Like, I at first I'm like, this is really unbelievable that this basically gorgeous gal could fall for Dale. And then I, then I looked at my wife and I looked at me and I thought, Hmm, I probably shouldn't delve into that too much. 
Well, uh, I've made known on social media for a long time that I think you and your wife are hashtag couple goals. Oh, boy. I love you guys together. <laughs> well, thanks. Your guys' wedding picture, iconic. I, You know, everywhere we go, though, especially um, lately, people think that she's my daughter and it's not it's not even they're not playing they're not doing that thing like oh you could be his daughter like it's happened now enough that i'm like all right i get it that's enough so now i mean as far as dale goes i'm rooting for the for the guy because i'm feeling that but i guess if you have other skills then you can look like me and dale and it works out sometimes i was really rooting for Dale. I thought he was such a sweetheart and I was really glad that he was able that to breakfast he makes her What about that breakfast he makes her and then like she didn't he he misunderstood that she didn't like the first breakfast so he goes and makes another breakfast. I mean, that's a guy there. Oh, it it is. I thought he was <laughs> so kind and sweet. And of course, you know, they you know Tucker and Dale together, you know, were very concerned about her and saved her, which is part of what set off the whole, you know, the chain reaction of the college kids because they thought that Tucker and Dale had abducted her and right. they were determined to save her yeah. from the people who had actually saved her. <laughs> I liked um, when they first get to their vacation cottage, when they go over and there's all this paraphernalia in this cabin that you know warning signs that this cabin is haunted or that the prior people were all maniacs i mean there's bones hanging up there's uh i love the wallpaper they had some uh basically newspaper clippings like a serial killer would have on their wall and the headlines i went back and wrote some down memorial day massacre uh teen slain Attacks escalate, killing sprees, and then buy three, get two free at Chubby's Chili Dog Depot. And that's the only one they notice, you know, is the because it says that uh, there's no expiration date for that deal uh, for chili dogs. But they don't notice all the others that look like a tableau of, like, a serial killer. That yeah, that's what, what an obsessed person would actually put on the wall. <laughs> Yeah, I so this is one of those that anybody, I think, this is a good one to pull out for like a mixed group of people who don't know what they want to watch, but they want to watch a scary movie, they say. But you know damn well that some of those people do not want to watch a scary movie. This is one you pull out because they would at least know all the tropes and get the humor. And it would be, I think it's accessible to everybody, but it still celebrates that whole... I mean, it celebrates horror comedy, but it celebrates slasher films. Exactly. And also, this is also a good one, because if you don't like horror and you don't like comedy, well, then there's also actually a romance for people who uh, who like that sort of movie. And it was a very convincing one, as we were just discussing. <laughs> They're definitely cute together. I think that... They are. Don't they go bowling in the end? They do go bowling. I mean, end. come on. <laughs> he even, that's like, a, combs his hair and tucks his shirt in, I think. Yes. Movie? I didn't have anything additionally other than uh, 
one one trope that I think you may have mentioned it, but I, I forgot is that we have you know the the cop, you know the pretty much cops in horror movies are meant to give a false sense of security because they're there and they're not the first kill, but they always end up dead minus always. Dewey from Scream. So <laughs> although, but we always think he's dead, but. <laughs> I, that's all I had, I think, on that. I, I agree with you about the cop. Um, oh, I will put, I, I will throw out one um, referral to Tyler Labine. Dale is in another horror movie that's also a comedy to some degree, a, a dark comedy called Cottage Country. Um, I definitely, you could put that on your list if you haven't seen that. It's. I have uh, not. The, I watched it a while back. The synopsis is when a man accidentally kills his brother with an axe, his fiance is determined not to let even murder stand in the way of their happiness. So it's kind of more of that darkness. And I think he plays a similar character. I think he was kind of recast for that reason. But it's he's pretty good in that one, too. Sweet. I will add that onto my list. All right. Let me pull up house of the devil so here we are a couple of weeks from halloween my my favorite time of year i uh this haunted house that i build terribly i i usually start in september putting together the animatronic creatures and so i'm i would say you know how the people that are real christmas people and i like christmas don't get me wrong but those christmas people that everyone complains about I'm definitely that when it comes to Halloween. I try not to push it on everybody. And if somebody doesn't like it, I don't care. I, I do judge them internally. <laughs> but I, I love this time of year. Um, everything from the... I love the weather. I love um, the the movies that we watch and carving pumpkins. I'm, I'm just a nerd when it comes to Halloween. And this House of the Devil... The thing I love about this movie is it it feels like the 80s in a way that I thought was really effective. It, it, it I believe it's set in the 80s, and the hair, the, the costumes, I mean, their outfits, um, everything about it makes me feel like when I was a kid, uh, it was between, I want to say, 10 years old and... It was probably even earlier than that, between maybe eight years old and ten years old. Uh, my parents always would go out on a date on Saturday night. And my sister, Jenny, and I would watch USA Up All Night, the the B-grade horror movies that were set largely in the 70s and, and 80s. And we loved them. And this feel, felt a lot like... Um, I think House of the Devil, it was made in 2009, but it's set in 1983. And the feeling that you that I got from this movie, even though I knew it was contrived and, and on purpose, it, it brought this nostalgia for those kinds of movies that it's hard to find anymore. It, I, I felt it a little bit with Stranger Things, but it's almost, I thought Stranger Things was almost... Uh, crammed down my throat at some point. Like, this is the 80s in, in a megaphone. This movie, I thought... That's very true. I thought I was exactly so much more subtle. And 
I mean, the the thing that got me in the very beginning was the title credits with the freeze frames. I don't know if you noticed that. Yes, in my notes I have that, you know, like right off the bat, the retro presentation is great, the credits and the opening music, you know, it suggested to me early 80s. Um, what helped me place the date on this one was the song. Um, I believe uh, at one point in the movie, Sam's uh, listening to her Walkman, and she's listening to One Thing yes. to Another by the Yes, Flicks, perfect. Which is a, a song that my mom always loved. And that so, little montage of her dancing around the kitchen, when we all know full well that shit's going to get down. Uh, I loved it. I, I love that, because that is also a really horror movie esque of the damsel the, the the person that you identify with just completely oblivious she's dancing waiting for her pizza listening to her headphones and uh, not knowing that Greta Gerwig her friend Megan is getting shot in the head uh, yeah. just a mile or two away I thought that was really good that that so I guess the story of house of the devil is also really uh has been done a lot of times it's the the babysitter that knows maybe she shouldn't take a gig a babysitting gig but for whatever reason decides she needs to in this case it's money and it it's kind of plausible she needs money she gets offered a job for more money than she would have ever expected it is out of the way it is with some creepy people it was weird how she gets the job, how um, they are able to reach out to her. And it's all, there's warning signs, but they're not huge red flags, I would say. Oh, yes. I mean, this movie, uh, one thing that I really liked about it, it had a lot of very subtle foreshadowing. Yeah. Like when she, when she gets the initial call and the man is trying to convince her to take the job. And he said, I promise I will make this as painless for you as possible. Right. <laughs> it was so creepy, but you wouldn't necessarily pick up on that if you were in that conversation. No. And, and you were and you were thinking about it. <laughs> and the hard thing is, is like we've all been in situations where you're thinking, I probably shouldn't be at this place at this time right now. It's probably not safe. But then you think, well... I'm sure it'll work out okay. I mean, it happens. It's happened to me many, many times. Um, just by accident, you find yourself in a place and you think, this doesn't feel great, but I'm going to write it out. That's how I felt every single day when I was in basic training. <laughs> <laughs> right. But uh, I thought um, it's interesting. I don't know if you looked at the credits, but... Um, is it Lena or Lena Dunham? I don't know how you pronounce her name from girls. I, I believe it's Lena. Yes. So she was a 911 operator and Greta Gerwig, um, was this friend. I mean, th these are some really powerful women. This is a, in my mind, um, the female cast of this movie was really dominant. And I think, um, Ty West, who, who directed this, he directed another movie that I would throw up with this one as some of my favorite horror movies uh, it called the innkeepers if you haven't watched that that one's really great it has a similar type of feel um but it really just a little more subtle than most horror movies um but i thought this was you know there there's some 
really huge horror movie actresses in this. Dee Wallace, who has played in um, The Howling, E.T., Cujo, Critters. Um, she was in Rob Zombie's Hall Halloween and Lords of Salem. I mean, she's the landlady. Small little part that just that little interview. But these, and then this other gal who played the the creepy lady. She was in a bunch of um, other movies too, like o older uh, horror movies. I don't remember which ones that she was in, but I thought that was a cool vibe of more um, female actresses or actresses in this movie than in a lot of horror movies. That's one thing that I really love about people who are who have done several horror movies who are in you know, like that kind of community, because you do see them be, you know, willing to take small cameo roles. I remember when I was in high school, I watched a movie called Jawbreaker that was, yeah. you know, not, not really a conventional horror movie per se, but I remember seeing PJ Souls, you know, of, of Carrie and Halloween fame playing um, one of the character's mother in that movie. Just a really small role, blink and you'll miss her. And I'm like, oh, that's so awesome that she did this cameo role. And you, you, I, I think you do tend to see that, like all over horror movies when you're looking for it. It's almost like a special kind of Easter egg hunt. It also sets the mood of the movie because you may not even know which movie you saw that person in, but you do. I think your brain picks up on it. And it helps you to, to ground yourself in a horror movie. So, um, I, I thought that, uh, let's see here. I guess um, Samantha, who is Jocelyn Donahue, she's kind of following in Dee Wallace's footsteps. Um, she's been in, she was in Insidious 2. Um, and a bunch of other horror movies. She was in Doctor Sleep recently, the sequel to The Shining. And so she's kind of following both Mary Waranov and Dee Wallace's footsteps as a as a horror actress, which is kind of cool. Yes, but, and I, I gotta say, I really liked her performance. She held my attention throughout. She had that great energy that you, of course, want for your final girl. I mean, she was delicate, but showed us, you know, some real grit. She's tough, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> she didn't roll over and, and, and play dead or anything. She was right away when she, to give her credit, she probably had that bad vibe if you, if you look at this as if it was a real, a real situation. And then when things started to go south, she acted pretty quickly. She wasn't frozen. She did. She wrote, you know, I thought her performance was reminiscent of Jamie Lee Curtis's in Halloween. Yeah. How, you ha how you have a girl who who seems like she would be easy prey, and she's not. Right. Now, she definitely has the, the will to live, the will to keep on going. And the eye gouge she delivered was brutal. <laughs> big, uh, big ups to the effects department for that. That looks that so was gross. <laughs> So Tom Noonan, he played the, the guy that hired her. He's been in a ton of horror movies himself um, in the 80s. Um, he's in The Monster Squad. I don't know if you watched that one. It's like The Goonies, but the... I, I have seen that one. Fun, quick Love fact. that movie. 
my mom searched for that movie on VHS for years. <laughs> for literal years. It was her first purchase on eBay. That's how bad she wanted that That's movie. awesome. Um, I, I have yeah, a lot of... Spot. I love that one. Oh, I have a lot of young, I have four boys, and, and they know that this is the house for horror movies. So most of their friends' first horror movies have happened here at our house. And it's always like, hey, Dad, we're going to go watch a horror movie. What do you suggest? And so we had a whole room full of kids last Halloween, and I threw on Monster Squad, and it was the biggest, the most fun I've had in a long time. We had people in their 20s and younger kids, and they were just laughing through the whole thing. They thought it was great, and it still has that Halloween vibe. So, But he plays uh, the Frankenstein's monster, Tom Noonan does, in uh, Monster Squad. So, so you have like a cast that Ty West put together of 80s horror stars that were, and, and 70s that, that really were are good actors and actresses, so I thought that was pretty neat. Oh, yes, and Tom Noonan's performance in this movie, it was particularly affecting for me because, yes, he was dangerous, but the way he presented himself was also very reassuring. He had that lovely, calm, comforting voice. He was persuasive. He, he had a little air of vulnerability about him, especially when he was trying to convince Samantha to take the job. Yeah, when he pulls the switch on her and says, actually, this isn't a kid, this is, this is an elderly person, that's when, it, you know, right away, you're like, nope, I'm out. But he, he pulled it off in a way that he, he explained, you know, nobody will come and, and do this for us, and I'm sorry to have lied to you. I mean, he pulled it off to where you'd go, all right, give me the money, you know. Exactly, and I did. I like, I like, found myself feeling empathy for him, even though you know clearly this is a bad situation. And I had to remember because, you know, there's the scene where he's like offering to pay her more and more and more. But at the beginning, he shooed Megan away, saying he couldn't afford to pay two people. So that should have been red flag number one right there. <laughs> but right. like, if he can pay Samantha four hundred, <laughs> he had enough money to pay Megan to right. stay as well. That's right. Well, some of the other foreshadowing, I liked when uh, Megan says, it could be awful, the kid could be from hell. I mean, that was a great foreshadowing line. Oh, yes, um, and also when she says, you don't even like kids anyway. <laughs> Which we I can mean, all relate to at different times in the yeah. day and in our lives. Um, one thing that made me, I thought of as I was watching this, first of all, Tom Noonan, I think he has a cane in this movie. And it made me think of, have you seen Ghost World? Yes, I have. So, you know, the Satanists in Ghost World, the, mm -hmm. that, the, that the girls identify, they'll see these people with a black umbrella, and they're like, they're Satanists, let's follow them. Right yeah. away, I'm like, Tom Noonan, that cane, for some reason, I know right away you're a Satanist. I, I know that that's mean to somebody with a cane. I know they're not all Satanists, but it is a sign, I think, that... Uh, and, and this kind of jumps on that whole satanic, um, what is it, the satanic panic that happened back in the 80s. That was a huge um, fear. I remember as a kid, um, newscasts about Satanists and sat satanic cults. 
And I mean, I think if there was as many satanic cults as there are movies about satanic cults, we'd really be overrun by the Satanists. But in this and case... Now it, and nowadays, I kid you not, about two weeks ago, I was driving behind someone on I-5 here in Washington, and they were driving a Range Rover, and they had a sticker for the Church of Satan in the back of their Range Rover. So nice. that's... Well, that's where we're at with it today. Anymore, I mean, I've the more I've read about the Church of Satan, they their activism um, aligns more with my own personal beliefs. As a even though I'm Christian, <laughs> that they they're kind of have changed at least how they they present themselves. And there's not the fear. I think everybody's like, whatever, we don't care anymore. Um, there's definitely not more satanic murders out there than regular murders, so than Christian murders, I guess. So, I, I, but they definitely. Exactly. I think I think there's been more Slender Man attempted murders. Than, right. Right. Than satanic murders in the past <laughs> decade. So. Right. I mean, um, but I, I thought that they, that fear, they really captured that, that vibe, and uh, the ending. You know, just to talk about the ending, I thought it was shocking. I thought this every time I watch this show, I, I the buildup, it really is worth the buildup. It's a shocking scene of like sacrifice and this witch thing that it is just it's worth it. Like I, a lot of these shows that they'll throw out some CGI at this point, and it always kills my heart. I I, I mean, some CGI is awesome. Don't get me wrong. But I think these these real effects um, and things like makeup masks and lighting are, are always going to win for me. My my haunted house is uh, that I put together. There's nothing. It's it's scary because it looks like it might fall over, and it really might. That's why it's scary. And I do minimal light, and I do. I think imagination is just the way to go. In this case, though. That ending really was jarring, and it still is to me. It was jarring. Um, it was a, it was a great ending. Um, one of the things that impressed me most about this movie was the atmosphere and the slow and the slow build, because the entire time I watched this movie, I felt a little bit uncomfortable the whole time, yeah. <laughs> like right from the opening. And as that sense of dread just kept building and building and building, the payoff for that was, I mean, it was both shocking and just so satisfying. <laughs> I mean, honestly, I don't think I've been that absolutely taken aback by an ending since the original Carrie. Right. And I and think, I, like, after watching, you know, I, I, I rewatched Hereditary recently, and there's a definite shocking ending to that movie um i think this this definitely wasn't as brutal or shocking as hereditary but it had it still generates the same vibe the same feel you care about the person the you 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 um care about the situation and then when they're put in that that terrible that the terrible shock in the end you feel it for sure Exactly, and given that, you know, Samantha is unconscious, and we know her fate before she does, Yeah. 
that's, I mean, it, it adds an extra level of dread to the whole situation. Well, not having ever been pregnant before, but having a wife that's been pregnant several times, there's nothing, there's got to be nothing more terrifying than finding out you're pregnant, <laughs> just in general. That's just terrible, let alone with Satan's baby or whatever it was. Exactly. I mean, well, you know, my ex is pretty bad, but uh, it's still not Satan. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> well, so... But, I, uh, when I found out I was pregnant, there was still definitely a level of, of shock. Uh, you know, a level of fear and shock. Well, and then you get into one of my favorite movies, um, Rosemary's Baby, that, you know, it's it's one of my favorites for a whole different reason, but that vibe of uh, that happens quite a bit in horror movies of the woman pregnant with Satan's child. But uh, the, one of the things I looked into was how Ty West um, got that retro look. And he, I guess he shot on 16 millimeter, which was the first step. And then... Um, Excellent choice. Yeah, and then... I read and I, I didn't realize it at the time. I, I kind of just get into shows and I'm not by any means a great critic. I'm like Homer Simpson when he was a critic for food. I just give either like 11 thumbs up for that piece of pizza you found under the couch. And he's like, yeah, I took off one thumb up because it had a Hot Wheel on it. You know, that's how I am with movies in general. I don't sit there and get mad. I don't come back from a movie and go, that was terrible and I'm upset. I just kind of like movies in general. So, um, But one thing that I thought that, that I read about, the camera, I guess, frequently zooms in on the characters. And I, I, after I watched, after I read this, I realized that. And that's a technique that was really popular in the 80s. But now they use a dolly. They dolly in to... The characters much more so you don't get that kind of shock zoom to their faces like like ty west decided to bring back i thought that was pretty cool and, and effective i agree i mean i just i was just really impressed by you know you you talked about it earlier like the capture of that time was really masterful I mean, I'm probably gonna I'm probably gonna be chuckling for a week over your uh, assessment of Stranger Things and being yelled at. This is the '80s through a megaphone because, yeah, it's definitely heavy-handed. But this, now granted, I was I was born in '83, so I only had you know six years of the '80s. Right. But that definitely captured the feel. I mean, it's it was. An excellent throwback. I don't know why a feathered hair isn't, you know, I still think it's cool. <laughs> oh, I did too. And, you know, I have seen a couple of TikTok videos where there are some young fashionistas out there who are trying to bring that back. <laughs> well, as far as my notes, um, again, I think this movie is, this one is more for people who have seen scary movies in my mind that, you know, they've, maybe watched Poltergeist as a kid or they, they liked the feeling of that, that tingle up their spine, or they liked to have a little bit of a shock this, but this is a crowd pleaser. I think it, again, it, it sneaks up on you and you actually care about um, Samantha um, enough that really anybody could get into this movie. They um, you'd have to, 
I think somebody who enjoys slower pace films would have to anymore like most horror movies I feel like they're flashing lights in your face and everything has to be a loud sound every second and and I don't mind those movies don't get me wrong as as my as the the easy movie critic but this one I think if you're you know if it's 1 a.m. I wouldn't start this show because you might fall asleep before it gets where you want to be but I think if you're sitting down to watch this with some people that like horror movies, they probably haven't seen it. And I think it's it'd be very memorable and well-loved. I've done it a couple of times. I watched it with a couple of friends who hadn't seen it before, and it was effective every time. I, I thought it was just great. I really liked it. And another thing that is uh, unique about it, especially in the days of modern filmmaking, is that its runtime is short. So even if, uh, I can't imagine someone, you know, who likes horror movies not liking this movie, but if by chance they didn't like it, well, you're only out, what, an hour and 23 right. minutes or so? so like, no big deal. <laughs> yeah. No big deal. It's like it's like the you know the Ramon Spiri of uh, their songwriting. Well, if right. you don't like it, it's going to be over in two minutes. So. Either way, yeah. But I think there's a lot to like in this. I think that um, I, again, I would recommend the Innkeepers. Um, it has the same slower pace, but again, a believable, character-driven show with practical effects. I really dig stuff like that myself you know it, it, they're not the ones maybe you'd choose to watch with you know 10 people a bunch of kids but when, when you get that just right vibe where people are in the zone watching a movie these are the movies that i think are effective i i still remember one of my most memorable times in a movie theater was i went opening night to see uh the blair witch project and at one point, and I don't know why I did it, I was so tuned into this movie, you know, through the whole thing. And at the ending, when um, that ending 10 minutes where the shaky cam is following characters through this house, I just happened to look back. Because what I realized was I wasn't hearing anybody talking. I wasn't hearing anybody moving. I wasn't seeing anybody move in my peripheral vision and uh, we were in the stadium type seating. And I remember looking back and just seeing everybody literally on the edge of their seat, just staring. And I thought, that's special. You don't get that in a comedy. You don't get that in an action movie. You don't get that in any other movie, that feeling. And I feel like this movie grabs that feeling that I love. That's one of the reasons I love horror movies. Well said. 